0: You're listening to Adventure in the Ascent. Let's go higher. Good morning. We're heading to um, John chapter 14. We're going to be looking at verses 15 through 24. And looking at the, at the subject, a love towards unique commands. A love towards unique commands. And in John chapter 10, Jesus tells the disciples that he's going to be laying down his life. He, he starts this preparation to let them know that that something's coming. I'm about to lay down my life for my sheep. And here in John 14, in in these verses today, Jesus is speaking again to them. And this is just hours before he's going to lay down his life. And as you listen to these words of Jesus, hear the encouragement. He's speaking encouragement to these these scared disciples, but he's also speaking it to us. There's some incredible offers and promises being released. In these verses, John 14, beginning in 15, If you love me, keep my commandments. And I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may abide with you forever, the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. A little while longer and the world will see me no more, but you will see me. Because I live, you will live also. And that day, at that day, you will know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. He who has my commandments and keeps them, it is he who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. Judas, not Iscariot, said to him, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world? So Jesus answered and said to him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. He who does not love me does not keep my words, and the word which you hear is not mine, but the Father's who sent me. Amen. As you read through these verses, love is a word that's used a lot in here. But it's interesting that in these verses, it seems to really reserve this love and these gifts, namely the Holy Spirit, the indwelling, for those that are in relationship, for those who love Jesus. Now, this is something special for those who come to him. He isn't shouting this from a mountaintop here. This isn't the Sermon on the Mount. He's not delivering it to thousands of people. He's literally delivering it to those who would come to him in intimacy, those in his inner circle. The phrase, uh, we're all God's children, gets shaken up a bit here because this is something special offered to those who would come in repentance, who would walk in newness of life and relationship, who would be reborn. And he says the world can't just receive that unless they come to. Now, this is different from John 3, 16. You know, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him would not perish but have eternal life. That blanket statement of the Father that is very valid, that demonstrates his love for the entire world. Just come to him. It's available to all, he says. Romans 5.8, God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So God loves us first, whether we love him or not. That first that John 4, 19, we love because he first loved us. So yes, God's love precedes our love. It enables us to love him. But what we have right here in John 14 is not that blanket statement of him loving the world. This is something special for those that is verse 14 and others say that love me. Verse 21, he who has my commandments and keeps them, it is he who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. So what's being promised here is something so personal and intimate that the world can't receive it. It's, it's a deep relational love, and it's a gift of the indwelling of the Holy Spirit for those that love him. I love how 1 Corinthians 8, 3 puts it. It says, but if anyone loves God, this one, this one is known by him. So what does that mean, those that, that love me? Obviously, we see in these verses that, that, that it says if we love him, we will keep his word or, or obey his commandments. But, but don't think for a minute and don't dumb it down to think that loving Jesus is the same as keeping commandments. It's not. We've, we've destroyed so many by teaching this or portraying that thought that they're not the same. Loving him enables us, yes, to keep his word, to keep his instruction. Keeping his word is a result of loving him. But loving Jesus is not a to-do list. It's pure delight and who he is, and the obedience comes out of that, not the other way around. So the essence of love is not merely its actions. It can't be reduced just to a mere mere verb. I, I heard one preacher tell of a husband handing his wife this big, beautiful bouquet of flowers on their wedding anniversary and then telling her, I'm just fulfilling my obligation as a dutiful husband. <laughs> that is the picture that so many have in our relationship with Jesus, but it isn't it. He gave her flowers. He stayed true to her. He planned the trip. He kept his word. He served her, not out of a sense of obligation, but out of love. Love is a cherishing. It's our cherishing, our treasuring Christ. It's loving him with all we are. Love for Jesus is totally deserved. He's good. He's worthy. He deserves it. Loving Jesus isn't a matter of doing excellent things. It's a matter of delighting and an incredibly excellent Savior. One teacher of the law, he asked Jesus in Mark 12, which commandment is the first of all? And Jesus answered, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind and with all your strength. This isn't a casual love. It's not a Sunday school once a week haphazard love. We love him wholeheartedly and we offer all of ourselves to him. David Garland, he put it this way. God does not love only certain portions of us, but the whole person. Therefore, we are to love God with our whole selves. God does not save us by fractions, and we are not to offer God a mere fraction of ourselves. In John 3.19, it says this, people love the darkness rather than the light. Why did they love the darkness? Why why, why? why do we still have that? Why do we still love darkness? Why, why are there people that love darkness? Why, it's what they enjoy. It's what they crave. It's what they want. It's what they desire. They don't love the darkness out of duty. So is Jesus what we want, what we crave, what we desire, who we enjoy? Because then it gets flipped around to loving the light rather than the darkness. So I ask you, do do you love him? Not are you checking off boxes and doing lists, but do you love Jesus? We love because he first loved us. Have you encountered a depth of his love that has moved you? We just outstretch your hands and and just ask him to encounter you. Father, that you would encounter us. God, that we would experience a level of your love, just a rushing over of your love that would draw us to you. And as a result of that, we love you in return. God, that we would encounter wave upon wave upon wave. Some people have never even encountered this. They've never felt the presence of God. They've never felt the tangible presence and love of the Father over them. And God, I ask that you would rush over us, God, and give us new encounters. God, that it would not it would be unmistakable, the things that you're doing. What we feel, the emotions that we encounter, the weight of your glory, the weight of your love, the heaviness of who you are just resting upon us. Like a cloud. Have you encountered him? There's a depth of his love that we need to encounter. And, and out of that we are moved to say he is so beautiful. He is so good. So we love. But with that being said, we, we can't love Christ if we live in a continual conscience disobedience to him. First John one six says this, If we say that we have fellowship with him, and walk in darkness, we lie and we do not practice the truth. Luke six forty six. <clears throat> but why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do the things which I say? So if we love him, it says we will we will keep his word, we'll keep his commandments. But but what word? What commandments? Well, obviously the Ten Commandments. You know, let's hang them up everywhere. <laughs> not exactly. Okay, yes, that's that's great, wonderful, okay. But but we need to go a bit deeper in this because what we're seeing here, and what we're encountering is, is Jesus speaking to these disciples here in John. And he's referencing commandments that he has already given them or that he is giving them. And so when you read through the Gospels, what commands of Jesus do you find, especially here in the book of John? What do you find? Remember, he's speaking to those that have walked with him. So what are the commandments? Let's look. Well, here's just a couple of them. John 13, 34 through 35, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. So if you love me, he's saying it will manifest itself in a genuine love for each other. There's a deep love that is to exist in your fellowship. This is the command of the Father. He's saying, I want you to have a love for the brethren. John 21, 16, he said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he said to him, tend or feed my sheep. So the lover of Jesus, what's the command? The command is to tend or to feed. The lover of Jesus tends, watches over, feeds the flock. Jesus is saying, if you love me, you will watch over and guard those that need a guardian. And that is in so many ways the command to tend, the command to feed. John 143, the next day Jesus decided to go to Galilee. He found Philip and said to him, follow me. What's the action? What's the command? Follow the one that loves Jesus leaves all that needs to be left to simply follow. No questions asked, but love follows with trust. The command to follow. John 14, 1. Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. The command, believe. The one that loves him simply believes in him, and all that that encompasses You take him at his word and you say, I believe in you. The one that loves is the one that believes. One of my personal favorites, John 15, 4. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. So the one that loves Jesus stays close. They abide. They don't want to lose that that connection. They don't want to lose that source of their sustenance. The true lover of Jesus knows that without Jesus, they're lost. They have no connection. They have no real sustenance. So hear his command to abide. He's saying, if you love me, you will follow the command to abide. And if you have fallen head over heels in love with someone like Jesus, you don't want to do anything else but simply abide and lean in to him. Here's one that that may shake you a bit. (laughs) It's the end part of the of the one we just explored in John 15. It's this is verse seven. Listen to this. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire. You will ask what you desire. So what's the command? The command is to ask. The one that loves Jesus abides and feels comfortable asking. This is something we don't talk about a lot, but he says, if you love me, ask. Let's say you find yourself in a situation where you truly need something and you don't have the resource for it and you ask for help. Now, I know that our culture has taught us that we need to just be these lawn wolves doing everything ourselves and taking care of ourselves and never asking for help. That's actually a bit anti-biblical. We won't go into that, but let's say you find yourself in that situation of need and you have to ask. So who do you ask? Do you ask a stranger? Do you ask that person you barely know at work, the neighbor that you barely know? Or do you ask your closest friend and your closest family member for help? Do you ask them, the one where there's a relationship of love? Jesus, of course, Jesus says the one that loves him, that abides in him, feels a comfortableness to simply ask. Well, to ask what? Well, the sky's the limit. Ask for the nations, ask for gifts, ask for help. Ask for passions, ask for talents. He he says you have not because you ask not. Your heart's desire. Is this some is this some crazy command to just go wild with it? No, but if you're in close relationship, your heart's already gonna know what to ask. <clears throat> Reese, Reese came to me and, and in boldness she said, "Daddy, when we finish and move into the new house, can I get a little kitty?" Guess what? We're probably getting a cat. Because I love cats. No, I, I can't stand them. I, I I loathe, I loathe the creatures. But we're probably getting a cat. Why? Because I love them? No, but because I'm head over heels in love with the one that asked. And that's what we have here in John 15, verse 7. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask. The one that loves Jesus feels comfortable asking. I think we've missed something in this command. There's been some type of disconnect. We've been afraid to broach the subject. But the lover of Jesus abides and asks. And it's a command. And if you love me, you obey or follow my commands. Here's another one. John 20, verse 22. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. What's the command? Receive. There's some things that the father wants to release over the lovers of him. And he says, I just want you to receive. And sometimes we have trouble just receiving, but he says, I just want you to receive. Just receive. And there's so many more. Look through the gospel, see the commands, just just take the book of John, just take those first 15 chapters and just read through them. So do you see it? Jesus says, if you love me, you will keep or obey my commands. And and when all we reflect on are some Old Testament commands, or the 10 commandments, because we have that word in our head, commandments, commandments, it's those 10. When we just reflect on those and we hear Jesus say, well, if you love me, you'll obey my commandments. Then we feel like we're okay. What do you mean? Well, thou shalt not kill. Thou shalt not murder. Well, I haven't killed anyone. I kept that one barely. <laughs> well, do not steal. Well, good on that one. I haven't shoplifted. Do not commit adultery. Okay, good. Good on that one. Check, check. Well, we're all good. But the commands he gave to the disciples were much more than that. We just looked at some of them, and they require much more of us than the Ten Commandments, don't they? You may say, well, good, I haven't murdered anyone. I haven't stole anything. I haven't committed adultery. I haven't committed false witness. Okay, great, but have you received him? Are you abiding? Are you believing? Are you asking? These commands are much more personal, and of course they are. He's a personal God. John 14, 15, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. So if the commandments in the book of John are receive, believe, ask, abide, then it makes sense that Jesus would say, if you love me, if you desire and delight and treasure me, then you will receive me, believe me, and abide in me. So what does it mean to love Jesus? It, it means that that we desire him, that we treasure him above everything. We enjoy him. We're satisfied in him. We abide in him, and we ask Lastly, two things here. Um, First, Jesus gives us a promise as well in these verses. He says in verse 18, I will not leave you as orphans. So he says, He says that the Spirit of truth will come and the world can't receive it. But if you believe in me, come to me, you can. You can receive it because remember, this isn't the blanket statement for the world. He says, There's something incredibly special just for you if you come to me. The Holy Spirit, the comforter, will come. He will comfort, protect, guide, provide. In verse 23, he says this, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word and my father will love him and we will come to him and make our home. That's the phrase, make our home with him. A dwelling place of Holy Spirit is the offer to those that would come, that would fall head over heels, that would come into relationship, our home in you. Now, That word home there is used only one other time in John's gospel. And it's in that same chapter, John 14, but back in verse number two, where it says this, in my father's house are many rooms. What is he talking about in verse two? He's talking about that. They're going to prepare a place. There is a place of eternal rest. There's Uh, when you pass or when you die and you're in relationship with Jesus, that you would go to heaven and he says, there is a place of preparation and there is where you will reside. And in my father's house are many rooms. That's heaven. Now that that word translated rooms there in verse 2 is the same as the one used for home in verse 23 that we just read. He will come and make our home in him or with him. So they're preparing a place for us in heaven. Yes. And then the offer is, we'll come early and dwell in you and bring some of that heaven into you. It's a deposit. Remember the prayer. Remember how he taught us to pray on earth as it is in heaven. I want to read a quote um, that I came across the other day, and it's... um, by N.T. Wright, and it says this, Western churches continue to think about going to heaven or going to hell as the framework for the gospel. But the Bible story is not about us going somewhere, but the creator God coming to live within us. Yes, yes. <laughs> he says, I'm going to prepare this place for you, but but guess what? I'm coming also and placing a deposit in the lovers of me. And we're going to dwell with you. That's how you can encounter the situation that seems hopeless or that seems crazy. It's Colossians 1:27. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Christ in you, the hope of glory. So we love him. We keep his commandments, which are really just, they're really just simple invitations. Let's rephrase this. They're, they're just simple, intimate invitations to know him, to be with him, to abide in him, and he will come and take up residence. You won't be a lost orphan, and the comforter will come, rush in, in a way the world can't explain, heaven on earth. In verse 21, he said, those that are in love will receive a manifestation of him. He says, I will manifest myself to them. That That phrase there just means a clear appearance. And when you know that you know, there is no mistaking that he has come, that he has arrived, that he has appeared, that he has manifested, that his presence is felt. There's a manifestation of him in our lives. And so I just want to encourage you today. Do you love him? Have you been so focused on commands that, that, that seem like, oh, sure, that's easy for me. But what about these intimate invitations, these intimate commands in the book of John? To just believe, to just abide, to ask, to come, to tend. You say, well, what about all the what, what about all the other ones? Well, here's the thing about all the other ones. It's so much easier to obey all of the moralistic ones when you just fall in love because a lover will always get more done. Always. When you're just focused on his face, when you just see him so clearly, when you're so close, when you're abiding, everything else just falls into place. God, we need a manifestation of you. We love because he first loved us.